Hello, and welcome to this series of Above the Shoulders, a special podcast series presented by Runners.com. Above the Shoulders explores the importance of mental health, looking at how mental health affects different individuals and the role exercise has in supporting our well-being. Today's episode is hosted by Rick Mirabella, and this week he is joined by Daniel Strickland. Daniel is a property estate manager, as well as a father of three young kids and loving husband. Having grown up amongst suburban sporting clubs, Daniel recounts his experiences as he struggled with his mental health, the challenges he faced in a mostly male environment, and the way his exercise has become central to his well-being. This podcast does deal with topics that may cause some listeners to feel distressed. For Australian listeners, immediate support is available from Lifeline at 13 11 14. Or you can access support from Beyond Blue or Headspace, and those details are in the show description. For those overseas, please seek support from your local area. And now, let's begin. It's been a long three or four winter months in Melbourne. We've worked on Runners Online and getting that launched out. And so um, grateful for everyone for downloading, subscribing, and all your messages of support from around the world. Uh, we've got lots of athletes training for marathons, Melbourne four weeks away, Berlin a couple of weeks away, New York seven or eight weeks away. Lots of team sport athletes, footy and netball and basketball are finishing up for the year in Australia. And um, of course, lots of beginners and, and guys training for weight loss and which is the point of this whole October series, lots of people training for mental and emotional health as well. Which leads me into this very special October series, which we're going to be doing once a week. One of these will be dropping each week in October. Bit of a, I guess a bit of our contribution is just to get people talking and get the conversation started. And um, all of us at one time or another would have gone through some stuff. And I think the more we can talk about it, the better. I'm certainly still learning to do that myself. So I'm certainly haven't um, come full circle there yet. But we're going to have a guest on each week. Whether it's a really embedded part of our runners family, like today's guest is, or just a connection of and a, a branch a branch away from the runners family, um, they're going to be on and they're going to talk about their journeys. Um, all of them are very very different, um, but all of them um, I think will resonate with many of our listeners and, and just really help people to I guess reach out and get help themselves. So um, our first guest today is a is an extremely uh, good friend of mine. He's been with us for five or six years, but before that we played a lot of um, Australian rules football together. And then when he finished up, he wanted to take his run a bit more seriously. And, and since then, he's had three kids and life and, and business takes over. But he continues to run and continues to get in this headquarters in Melbourne very regularly um, for his SNC and his running. And only yesterday, or yeah, Saturday, he took out the one-mile time trial, showing he's still got a bit of speed left in the old legs. I welcome Daniel Strickland. Thank you, Rick. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, we'll see where this goes, but it's probably for me, it's something that I probably deep down I care about a lot, but in saying that, there's probably a lot I'll talk about today that probably my family, my wife don't even really know and um, probably comes back to that persona of being a bloke and hard not to talk about it, but I talk to some good friends about it, uh, two mates most of the time. Um, something i've always dealt with in depression is it's always been there somewhere in the background and i've got my ways of coping with it but at the end of the day it is something that's there and, and depending on who's listening but um yeah probably find out a few things that not many people know about me and 
I'll probably do keep close to my chest, but that's the idea of today. It's not so much for, it's also a big thing for me um, to come up and talk about it. So, and I wanted to do it for myself. And after talking to Rick a few times over the last year or so, we sort of, I've always been, I've probably been the one that's been pushing him more than him pushing me to come and do this. So yeah, see how we go. Yeah, and that's the first thing Strugo said there. Um, and he's, if we're in this conversation, like 99 times out of 100, we're taking the piss out of each other. We're talking about all kinds of sport and mocking each other and just having a good laugh. Today, and this whole series isn't about that. Um, there'll be a bit of that as well. If but we can get something in, I will. We definitely will. <laughs> but it's just about, um, I guess, drawing awareness back and just – if you're listening to this and sometimes you just knows to know um, it's just so nice to know that you're not alone uh, and what you're feeling or going through and have might you might have been going on for decades um, and look the internet's really good these days there's lots of great educational tools on the internet but hearing someone like Strico he's got a lot of nicknames um, I might use along the journey today but like what Strico's going through it's just it's, it's unfortunately it is so common and um, it, like everyone battles in their own way so we're going to talk a lot about his sport and his family and all that kind of stuff, and that'll just intertwine to some of his, I guess, his, his um, darker times and also how he um, worked through those and what he's doing day-to-day today to maintain that, which we all – it's number one rule. And number two is how we're going to move forward as well, which is clearly most important. So take us back to the beginning, big fella. You, you obviously loved your sport from a very early age. Um, what does a young life of Daniel Strickland look like? Uh, young days for me, three older sisters, uh, beautiful mum and dad that done everything for us. But me, sport-wise, I hang around netball courts my whole uh, younger years, uh, trailing my sisters, uh, which probably, considering what's happened later in life, it's probably contributed a little bit as well, considering my sisters uh, all played high-level netball, all played for the state of Victoria throughout their netballing journeys. Um, so that sporting now was amongst our family and they've reached high goals. And then uh, little little Daniel comes along and he struggles to get a kick in, in the footy, let alone uh, getting any representative teams or anything like that. So that sort of started the pressure side of things that I used to put on myself. Um, but I love my sport, got involved in, uh, mum and dad allowed me to start playing footy. I could go when I was 10 years old, I could go around the corner to Frankston East or I had to wait another year to go to the mighty Frankston YCW Stonecats. Uh, hence, made the smart decision to wait another year uh, and then was been at, you know, second home at Frankston YCW ever since until a couple of years ago. Um, played in a really good junior footy side, played in a few junior flags with some good kids, had a really good junior footy coach who um, still to this day I've really respect and he taught me a lot um and that's something from a junior side of things as as a young kid getting a good junior footy coach being a bloke was actually uh really important for me especially growing up with three older sisters i needed uh some male influence outside my father um and and he's probably one that i look back on that made a big impact uh, then I started playing senior footy after school finished. Um, did a bit of running throughout school, but never probably took it further than what I should have. Um, just purely on the lack of the, the school I went to, didn't have the greatest sporting program, but still probably regret not taking my running further when I was uh, 
at peak fitness, so to say. Uh, yeah, and then started playing local footy, played a lot of twos, uh, played one senior game for OIC, which we actually lost, which was unfortunate. Uh, but played in three twos flags at OIC, captain a couple, or captain one and spiritual leader of a few others. Um, but yeah, footy was my passion growing up and I lived and breathed footy all the way until I was 30. So. I'll intertwine quickly there. Um, if you're not sure on the, the local, there's not many locals probably, hopefully there's a lot of locals listening, but hopefully a lot of you guys aren't from around uh, Melbourne. He's, he's talking about one of the best football clubs in the history of any local football. So he's uh, he's a very talented footballer and a very tough footballer himself. He just probably uh, undersold it a bit there. Did play in three flags as a player, a leader, a captain, and obviously then you went on to coach. I did go on a coach, Rick, and... Uh First year was quite successful. We made the grand final. I was a premiership coach for all of about 10 seconds. And then uh, Mount Eliza decided to kick a goal after the siren. Um, From 60 metres, yeah. <laughs> which probably didn't help the mental side of things too much. Um, I still probably need to hit the club up with a psychologist bill after that one. Uh, I really enjoyed my coaching, did it for another year. And then just uh, probably family life took over. And me and my beautiful wife uh, decided to step back a little bit from football and netball and try and enjoy our uh, our children before we probably get involved in kids sport which i dare say isn't that far away with my oldest daughter being five I'd, yeah. you know we're going to be involved in footy and netball for a long time just purely on the fact of uh we love our sport and we love that community so yeah coaching was uh coaching was good but unfortunately never got the got the chocolates but hopefully at some stage one of the guys I coached for those couple of years comes up and says I made a positive influence on their life but um I'm sure you did mate and that's the thing like football netball clubs in general in Australia are just the greatest place on earth and especially in this day and age where we are so um knowledgeable and accepting of all different um different issues in society which is is really come a long way um, and we often speak, or me and you and others in here, about what we try to create in this little, just talking small and micro in Melbourne in headquarters here is just about that community feel, the football club environment with a bit of a, a sports science feel. But someone like Strigo has grown up around this footy club for 10 years. He's, since, sorry, since he was uh, 10 years of age. He's, his dad is involved heavily. His dad runs with us as well. He's a 12-time premiership stats man. And the stats man, like, you got to be there bloody five, six hours a day. He's in, You can never do enough for the club. His beautiful wife, Catherine's coached the netball team, captain the netball team, won premier. So it's just – and it goes on and on there. Little kids run around in Stonecats, Guernseys, all – it's just the best. And that's what footy clubs are about. And you've got your best friends and your family involved there. Lots of positives there, great man, and that's magnificent. Growing up. Any signs of any others? Was there anything that was a little bit darker that you thought, oh, that's a bit normal? Or were you already seeking help or reaching out for help or just trying to push it down even deeper? Uh, so the big thing for me, as I said earlier, I've got three older sisters. Um, unfortunately, uh, the sister I was closest to in age, uh, she passed away at 16 with a brain tumour and that's probably um, the start of everything for me. I was probably 12 years old and having to go uh, to your sister's funeral as a 12-year-old um, at such an impressionable age was probably, um, yeah, probably something that I look back on now and I probably, well, I coped reasonably well with it, I thought at the time, but um, I think deep down 
it's probably something that's always uh, hindered me. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me that's hindered me is I went to her funeral and I heard so many people talk about it. I heard the whole, the whole school that were at John Paul College in Frankston shut down for the whole day. Um, there was over 1,500 people at her funeral. The whole of McMahon's Road was lined with students, um, you know, and not one person had a bad word to say about my sister. And the impression that I got from that was, um, you know, I put that pressure on myself that I didn't want people to say a bad word about me. And um, it's an outside pressure that I put on myself. Um, it was never said to me that I, that had to be the case. Um, but just me being who I was, I thought that was in a way the norm, you know, like I used to think about as a 15 year old, what people would say at my funeral. Um, and it's something that um, I look back on now and I think, you know, why did you put that much pressure on yourself? But it was just, I thought that was normal. I'd seen what had happened to my sister and I wanted people to think of me like that. You know, that I worried too much about what people thought about me rather than worrying about myself. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing looking back on it now that I probably didn't handle all that well, even though I had the resources around me with things like Canteen, um, the Teenage Cancer Support Network and talking there about loss and cancer and um, all that kind of stuff. I just never, I, I was the one that put the pressure on myself and um, it's because I thought, you know, that was normal in a way. Um, so yeah, that's sort of probably the start for me is just putting that pressure on myself and then it just sort of got to a f few certain situations in my life. Probably it really, my depression really came out uh, when I was about 22 um, and had a bit of a long-term girlfriend. Um, my older sisters that were still alive, they uh, their first long-term boyfriends, they ended up marrying and um, again, it comes back to me putting pressure on myself thinking that that's the norm um, so me breaking up with this girl, uh, I took pretty hard um, and invested a lot of time into her and thought it was what it was going to be um, and then probably wasn't treated all that well out the other side of it and that's where uh, I'll put a lot of pressure on myself and felt like, you know, I've got myself in a decent black hole to be honest and uh, I thought I'd be okay and try and get myself out of it and stubborn sort of bloke that I was at 22 and probably enjoying the party lifestyle for being single for the first time and um, it probably got to a stage where what had happened to me in the past I didn't want my mum and dad to go through that again um, and to be brutally honest I was standing on top of a cliff during that stage of my life and um, could have easily gone two different ways but the fact that I, my mum and dad have meant so much to me over the years. Um, I never wanted to put my mum and dad through that again. And that was where I actually got my first professional help. Um, actually got some medical assistance as well. Um, and, you know, was able to start learning ways of coping with who I am and how I think about things. Um, and uh, yeah, I look back on it now and it, it wasn't a great time. Um, it's probably probably the hardest time part of that was talking to my mum and dad and I still probably haven't opened myself up 
and if they listen to this, they're probably going to hear a few things that they've got no idea about. But um, the biggest thing for me is I've, the person that I went and got help off, my psychologist, she gave me some key indicators on how to think and um, how to process things. And, and one thing, one of the biggest things I got out of it was control the controllables. And as I touched on earlier, I used to worry about so much what other people thought of me. Um, but the funny thing is I can't control what people think of me. Um, I can control the person that I am and how I carry myself, but I can't control how other people think of me. Um, and that, you know, was probably one of the biggest turning points for me. Uh, that, and I use that, you know, still to this day, control the controllables is probably the biggest thing in my life that I try and look back on. And um, yeah, look, from then on, it's there's been ebbs and flows and there's been times where I've gone backwards, but I probably have never got as dark as what I did at that age of 22, 23. All right, mate, thanks so much for divulging that. He's um brutally honest and it's but it's what people need to hear so um and you've done that off your own bat divulge that and obviously not many people would know that um me and dan have spoken once or twice about those times and that's very um very honest very raw but like how many hundreds of thousands of of um australians and and people all over the world would have if not physically been in a similar spot to that if not that exact position but so many times which is why we really want to encourage people just to reach out um Stricko got the professional help that he needed because we can't do it on our own no matter who you think you are you just can't your family are great get your family around you make sure you reach out to a mate or a, or a, or a, or a dad or an uncle or, or you just anybody that wants to talk because these days there's so many people willing to listen um you're not alone and and like Stricko said as soon as we realise that it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about us, that's the number one thing, which is so hard for us as human beings sometimes to to get our head around. But you feel like you got five or six KPIs, and you just you just kept reminding. And it's got, it's got to be repetition too. Yeah, I look. If you don't, everyone's different. Um, but I think professionally, you sort of. I've got a few mates that have gone through depression and spoken to them about it. I actually caught up with one yesterday for a beer, and we've both got different sort of controls um that assist us and they you know and it probably came back to the psychologist that you see um but yeah control the controllables is my biggest one um and it's something i always harp back on another one is keep smiling um because at the end of the day you could be in your darkest place but if you smile and someone else smiles back at you it's amazing how much that you know reflects I know I've jokingly said uh, to Rick a few times as we've been running around the suburbs that the further north you go, the less people say hi um, from Chelsea Heights HQ. <laughs> um, you know, I, I jokingly used to say that I'll take stats on it on, and get the percentages. But it's amazing just even being out for a run and when someone smiles at you and says hi, how much you can just get that, you know, inflammation, you can get up and about from it. And it doesn't need to be much. It's amazing just going through the shopping centre and if you accidentally bump into someone or just a smile. Um, so keep smiling massive for me as well. Because um, I know within myself, if I'm smiling, I might brighten someone else's day up. And I know if someone smiles back at me, how much, how that feels to me. So it's a um, really good one. Then look, it's, it's proven the neuro, neurotransmitters in the brain when you, it's like the dopamine and, and serotonin when you do connect with someone and that's what connection is the key so you don't think you have to 
go to your best friend. Like you could have someone that you just connect with, like you generally connect with. Like, um, there's people everywhere that are willing to help. The main, that is that the main couple of things to go open to this day that help you through, mate. Like, so the control the control is, is, is so good because you just, you literally, and we talk about being in the moment and uh, like literally um, minimization of, of everything around us anyway. So just keeping it really simple and we're not going to look back and we're not going to look forward. It's literally control the control was in front of you, which Strico was using for all kinds of situations, the, the way he viewed himself, the way he wanted to be viewed by others. Is there anything else, buddy, about just the day-to-day life? Is there anything that you've kind of changed from when you were 21 to now in your mid-30s? Uh, probably don't have as many big benders on weekends. Um, alcohol for me is something I actually really enjoy. I actually love having a beer, love having a wine. Um, but it's controlling the situations that I'm in when I do it. Uh, alcohol is a bit of a depressant in a way and I probably, you know, used to go out massive, you know, and obviously age has something to do with it and experience. You grow up and learn to deal with things. But I'd spend all day Sunday all the way through to work on Monday morning just on the couch, um, you know, not really helping myself out and being a positive. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, another big one is probably I stopped co- stopped playing footy and coaching and I sort of got into my running and that's probably where I first reached out to Rick a little bit. Um, probably didn't do anything for 12 months physical and then I was sort of I'm someone that I need a goal you know I need something to look at I need something to uh, plan for and um, my old man had run numerous marathons or two marathons when he was similar age to what I am now Um, so I sort of I'd run a lot throughout footy and in junior as I touched on earlier but uh, never sort of done any front runs or anything like that. So I sort of reached out to Rick to try and get some advice. And yeah, in the last probably four or five years, running's probably been my biggest uh, outlet on life. Um, and it's amazing what just going for a, a run with me uh, does. And it doesn't have to be my PB or anything like that. It's just going out for any kind of run. So coming to runners a couple of times a week, um, it sort of gives me that football club feel. So, you know, whether it's doing planking straight after as a crew or just having a chat to someone for, you know, five minutes, that we're all sort of got similarities in coming here. We might not be all coming for exactly the same reasons, but for me, it's sort of a mental and a physical outlet. Um, And I've, you know, running in the last five years has been probably something that has increased my endorphins in a way and it's been my biggest outlet. and uh, it will continue to be for a yeah. while. It's just uh, we've just bit at a bit of a stalling point with our third child coming on and a new job and a new house this year. So it sort of uh, hasn't been a big productive year running. But I'll tell you what, the base that I've yeah. created is um, the process. The, what's your guy just mentioned there? Like, is at his peak of his business of life, mid thirties, beautiful uh, new house, really, really big, great new job. And his third baby under five, so third, three kids under five, and he, the new Bubs Imogen came along this year. So crazy busy, but the, the fact you've got in here, and we've probably seen each other at least two to three times a week on average or more, and and the odd long run as well. So you still haven't dropped off, and that's the key with people. Um, you don't know. Like Strigo's done a lot of marathons, he ran a lot of good times, but it doesn't have to be about um, that kind of 
outrageous goal. Some listeners might be thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not going to run a marathon in, in 3.10. But, but you, you don't have to. It's about being able to rock up. Day, like you say, it doesn't matter how busy I get, I'm going to commit to do these two or three sessions a week. The process is the thing. And I think Stricko said about the goal, and the goal is crucial, and I'm very goal-driven, and no doubt lots of us are, but it's, you've got to enjoy the process. And Stricko is rocking in, how much better is your day after you've had a run, and, and all those kinds of things. So it's so easy to roll over and turn the alarm off, and I understand how, how easy it is, especially when you've had a really bad week emotionally, mentally, or just not in the space. But just getting through that snooze button and just not pressing it that, that, that next day helps us so much to be able to say, okay, I'm just going to go in and all I'm going to do is I'm going to walk jog. I'm not even going to jog. I'm just going to walk. You might you might do 15 minutes ago. You know what? I might get a few j- bit of jogging in. Your day is so much better than what it could have been. And I know you might be listening to me going, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, I don't. But <clears throat> I've also been through some stuff and it's not about me today. But I promise you that um, the movement is number one. Like one. Like it doesn't matter like whether it's psychology, psychiatry, medication, meditation, kinesiology, all these things have worked for all of us over the journey. But exercise is just a staple that has to be included. It's certainly not the only thing, and it's certainly not, I'm going to hold an exercise up as this beacon. Look, you, you have to do it all. You have to practice mindfulness. Stricko said it perfectly before. Mindfulness is just so important. Um, and then the exercise is such a beautiful little um, add-on at the end that you get so much bang for your buck and apart from the fact that you've got three beautiful kids watching what you do every day going where's dad or oh, dad's going for a run and then he comes home and he has breakfast like that's that is probably the best thing out of the lot and you've got so much to live for and you've got so much to train for the goals will come um as the kids get older again i just oh, strico is he's a very good distance runner i still i probably still think he's got more to offer in the shorter stuff still and so he probably won't run his best marathon for another seven or eight years, in my opinion. So I, probably when all the kids are at school, you'll <laughs> yeah, run your fastest marathon. I know I it's not about that for you, but I reckon no. we have spoken a lot about times over the journey. Probably not the last 18 months as much. Oh, look, what, I, I, a couple I, of your big physical goals, what are they? I'm probably very time-driven, um, you know, and that's probably, yeah, that's just a competitive person that that's I good. am. Uh, yeah, in a way I probably want to, I want to get that marathon down, time down, but um, I've sort of got something in my head next year to sort of try and get uh, as many PBs as I can and start from 1K. I didn't know and, this. This is yeah, good. No, this is this is a new one that's just been lingering in the background a little bit, Rick. So this is good. Uh, but yeah, sort of go try and get a few sort of try, what I want to try and do is get a PB in a 1K, and then once I've done that, then move on to the mile, which probably had my first ever crack at on the weekend. Um, and then just work my way up and if I'm getting faster in the shorter distances then the longer stuff will take care of itself but um, I probably that's you know first time I've said it publicly but the reason behind it for me is probably with the time thing um, it's hard to go and train for a marathon the way that I want to because um, I tend to get pretty focused on it and get all involved my whole life uh, and I probably can't train that hard with three kids a new job and a new house at the moment. So that's why if I concentrate on the smaller stuff, then uh, that'll take care of itself uh, eventually, hopefully. That, that will, and that's perfect. And the thing about the running is is it's, it's just for you, mate, and it's for obviously your family. And you come in and we can talk. We've got 20 of us in here that depends on when Dan's in, in the morning, the night, we just talk a bit of, talk a bit of rubbish, have a bit of fun. 
Um, but he's here. To, he's here for business. He's here to work hard, and he, and he does work very hard. That maintenance will be there, and those times you're purely competing against yourself, and that's the best thing about running, is that the PBs are a great indicator. So, right, I want to get my three k time, my five k time down. I'm going to give myself the next six months to focus on that um, specificity and really work on that. And that, that's a, it's really, it is, it is motivating, okay? Because you know that you got something, and the byproducts of that are you're more energetic, you're more productive at work, you got, you're more bouncing, you're bouncing out of bed. Yes mental and emotional a lot more consistent a lot around the week because you've got this steadiness of training and it's not up and down because often if when we get in really dark spots um some of us will train through it and then other times it just becomes almost impossible because you've been under this stress so your body thinks it's been training for months on end um because we know our cortisol the stress hormone works so your body if you're if you're listening to me and you just haven't been able to get yourself to do anything physical for three or four months, but you've also been suffering for three or four years or more, um, mentally, that your body literally thinks it's been at war for the last three or four years. So it's not your fault. It's not your fault that you can't physically train, but what I would heavily encourage you is to reach out to somebody. And on our show notes, of course, we've always got the, um, when this series, we'll always have the, the lifeline and beyond blue numbers. Uh, we are... Where this whole series is leading up to a big open day we're having in mid-November, just in Melbourne, just for a bit of a bit of fun more than anything. A few guest speakers, a bit of charity here at headquarters, but um, the charity will be Beyond Blue and Are You Okay? Those two, so two great charities that do a lot of work here in Australia. Tell me how you're going day to day, big fella. So can you give me a routine of um, for the listeners of your every day. You don't have to go into all crazy details, but just as a as you are now as a 35 year old male, 35. 30, yeah, yeah. 35, sorry, mate. Yeah, 35, 35-year-old male. Now, you've got a great life on the outside and all that, but we're all going to go back to – it's a it's always a work in progress. Yeah. Like our mental and emotional health, doesn't matter how good you think you're going, it's not going to be linear. So tell me your average day and just give me your average day in the life of Daniel and, and if things do come up, how you would deal with them now, current day, as opposed to 12, 13, 14 years ago. I think the biggest thing for me, Rick, is of, uh, in the last 12 months of – changed jobs which was probably uh, a massive decision on both a f- well, personal level and also a family level um i worked at the same place for near on 14 years i actually lived where i worked um and i sort of had no room to move and so uh it sort of catherine and i made that decision and, and purely it was obviously a decision as a family but as an individual it, it was something that i had to do um I was sort of stuck in a bit of a rut where I was. Uh, I didn't have uh, the leadership from above wasn't as good as what it could have been uh, in terms of understanding and inclusiveness. Um, And so I wanted to try and further myself, but I only wanted to do it if it was going to further my family as well. So day-to-day stuff's changed for me in the last 12 months and, um, you know, it's changed for the better. Uh, Yeah, I've probably put myself under... a lot more stress stress with the job that I have now, just with what I do, um, which just touching on, I look on the pro- look after the private assets of a, a big company, and I look after the chairman and manager and directors private assets. So I actually don't have much to do with the business. Um, but in saying that, I sort of it's totally different to what I was sort of doing previously. So just learning something new every day, and that's something I probably didn't touch on earlier is. I always try and focus on something 
to learn something new every single day of my life and it, it doesn't it can be one of the smallest things in the you know but it, it or it can be the biggest thing like um you know i've probably learned a lot of it in the last 10 months that i haven't been used to but yeah just trying to learn something new every single day just to try and further myself um i do a lot of running around i'm probably on call a lot i probably have four bosses to answer to in a way where the both the managing director and chairman have uh, beautiful wives and they call me as well. So uh, I sort of had to do things at the drop of the hat. So it sort of, as much as I try and plan, I've got to be flexible. Um, so yeah, it's sort of changed this year in terms of one big thing is I try and get into runners at least three or four times a week, uh, first thing in the morning, um, just to knock that over. So then that way, if I'm finishing work early, I've got that time to spend with the kids when I get home and if I can help pick the kids up. For, Sally up from kinder or even just wrestle with my son will um just to he's a little maniac and he's got to assist her either side of him in age and you know all he wants to do when i get home is, is muck around and be a boy so you know if i can get home early to do that um probably rather do that play with the kids and do help catherine too much with the chores but i probably need to uh, help out a little bit more but um yeah look the biggest things for me is I've got into a little bit of meditation a couple of times a week of a night before bed. Um, I'd love to get to the studio with Shell, but probably just with the setup at the moment, we don't can't afford to sort of have that time away from the kids. So I sort of we try and do a little bit um, before we go to bed. So that mindfulness and trying to just relax before going to bed, so I can actually get a decent night's sleep, uh, is probably the biggest one. When the, if the kids aren't waking up and annoying us or wet in a bed or, or whatever, but getting sleeps I'm, I'm a sleeper i'm someone that i enjoy my sleep i love my sleep and if i don't get a good night's sleep it, it puts me backwards um so if i get a couple of nights in a row where i'm not sleeping that well then i try and go to bed early enough to get you know that solid sort of eight hours I, I, i'm someone that i need that eight hours and if i don't get it then it, it sort of triggers a lot of things for me but um one of the biggest things is just mindfulness and understanding where I am and um, knowing the situation that I'm in. If I'm sort of a bit stressed out at work, I know I probably can't go and have a big weekend because I'll go backwards at a rate of knots, just the way that I handle things. And uh, so, yeah, I'm probably more aware of the triggers I need to do um, for myself and everyone's different. So it, it is what it is for me. But another thing that I've sort of st stolen from Rick that everyone is with 20 seconds to go of every single session is what motivates you um and i say that because it's it sort of motivating for the last 20 seconds for runners to give everything you've actually got because it's the last 20 seconds of the session but it's also probably a trigger for me what motivates me and my family is probably the biggest thing that motivates me in my life i'm a very family orientated person um and everything i tend to do is is for them and to try and get a better life for my kids and also my family so um yeah it's probably day to day i think i've kind of hit it but, that's awesome um yeah no that's what i was i was reaching out for uh, was that and that's it was a really good answer but i'll succinct it for the listeners as well because like he spoke about so many amazing things there clearly he knows what motivates him and he knows what's important, which I think a lot of us do. And, and even if you're listening to me going, well, I'm, I'm single and I've got no kids, and that's fine, but it's, it's, a, it's not about that per se, but it's just about finding your 
you might be you might just have someone close to you that you never see but you know that's that's your that's your um special person you might want to talk to or even if it's even if you feel like there's no one there is always someone these lines i've spoke about beyond blue are you okay and lifeline there's always people there and what daniel's done inadvertently is join another club which is he only came to me to help him run a good marathon and now he's got um 200 of great mates in here so it's not about what i'm saying is the future is is up to you and we if you can join a club a chess club a a drafts club, a running club, a golf club, any club. It's not about performance per se. It's about that human connectivity. You listen to Stricko, um, absolutely bury soul. You'll listen to a couple of other people over the next few weeks. You'll listen to me have a chat at the end of the month. Um, you're never alone, ever, ever, ever alone. So that's the biggest thing. Stricko's gone. I was the, the big things obviously I can gauge from that succinct in what Daniel was saying. Clearly exercise first thing in the morning. We speak about it so often. We've written pieces on it. I don't think I've got to speak anymore. There's a lot of people written a lot of good stuff. Brad Stuhlberg's one guy, if you want to read from the States, he um, he wrote some really good stuff. Brad Stuhlberg on running uh, for mental health. <clears throat> Training, definitely. Mindfulness, meditation, again, connected with runners so, so readily. Um, we are such a big believer in the holistic practice and prioritizing family. So there's three massive things. Sleep. Stricko seems like you got a pretty good routine the way you go about it, but he could easily go backwards. Oh, I still have dark moments, mate. Yeah, that's a, that's 100%. a funny thing because I've got these little triggers in place. I know I can probably handle it a lot more than what I used to. Uh, another big thing I haven't touched on is probably my diet as well. I've changed my diet a lot. so You can go there? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm not perfect mm. by no means, but it's just uh, probably limit the sugar. Um, yep. And then, like, I got to a stage where... Yeah, probably about 27, 28, where I'm driving from Moorabbin to Frankston for footy training two nights a week. And, um, you know, it's just easier to go to Macca's or KFC on the way home to get something because, you know, I was a single guy living at home by myself. Um, and it was just easy to go in. And then it got to the stage where it was convenient. So you'd actually have it on the way down as well. And, um, you know, I probably took my wife to probably help out with the diet side of things a lot but i know it's for me something that helps heaps if i don't have that much sugar and um i'm eating pretty healthy that i end up being a lot better mood wise just purely on the fact that i'm, I'm eating healthy and um yeah it's something i've seen within myself that that's the case but still doesn't mean i still have a, no, a yeah. beer or that well, every night or a glass of wine with a wife but you got to live. Um, the biggest thing, what I like, Stricko, that's another thing about controlling the controllables. But if you have had a, a big weekend or you've had a, a fast food twice today, don't be so bloody hard on yourself either because there's always tomorrow. Yeah. And so if you know you're feeling a bit, you feel like shit, you're a bit sluggish, you're flat, and you've got triggers that are really, you're not having a good day of it, tomorrow is a new day. So we can say, okay, I want to address this situation and I want to try to eliminate these sugars, these alcohol. Eliminate the sneaky cheesy. Sneaky cheeseburger <laughs> on the way to footy training. That's good. I used to do it as well, mate. We <laughs> we all did it, I'll tell you. Um, and I didn't have the excuse of driving 30 minutes. Um, number one. Number two, I, I loved and I've said this many times, is about trying to learn something new every day because if you are one of these people that feels isolated, apart from the um, connectivity with a local club, and I promise you everybody is welcoming. It's not – you won't be looked like – 
a lot any different to you. Everyone will just welcome you with open arms. But the learning something new every day is magnificent. I try to do it as well, whether it's about physiology or stuff for my job, or whether it's about I don't. There's a lot I don't know about, and most of it's got to do with um, construction. So I try not to learn about any of that strict. But even if we go for a jog with Strigger and I learn something about his job, or I learn something about what he's doing, or someone else says something, and I I want to go home and read about that for ten minutes, that gives you something else in the day, and I really think that's important. If I might say something in here, um, and Strigger might want to research that because that is well, apart from the fact it relates to his sport um he might want to learn more about that and that's how we all learn but like we we hear someone say something we ask a couple of questions and then in the age of the internet you can just go and read for days so that kind of stuff's great audio books and podcasts are great as well which is another one um me and Strigo have spoke about many times with learning Strigo drives a lot now for a job i think yes yeah, so no, so audio books and podcasts you you can kill two birds with one stone it, it might be emotional it might be this mindfulness stuff it might be totally Whatever you need at the time, you might put this podcast in six times. Um, there's a couple of guys we'll talk about later in the month uh, with my wife that I listen to regularly because he literally, we talk about um, neuroplasticity, he, he he helps you train your ability to change your brain. And we've, there's so much books out there, but it's so hard um, to do unless you're consistently. Because otherwise, it's like anything. The, um, the neurons in the brain, they want to fire, but they take so long to to rewire you've got to do it consistently sound familiar just like training so our thought patterns like we'll think the same thoughts sixty thousand thoughts a day and most of them are the same as yesterday um joe dispenser dr joe dispenser is his name for those of you who want to google him he's a genius and he's really helped me a lot um we'll talk about him later in the month but he's he's a guru dr joe dispenser and this is what strigo's done he's he's simply just tra- trained his brain to say no no i'm going to control this and you know what it's me and my family and I'll be nice to everyone. That's how good's that? The best thing, smiling at everyone, saying good day to everyone, makes you feel good. You, you literally could change somebody's day. So if you're listening to me going, well, I've just got no one around me. I've had the worst day. Go down to Woolworths, get a coffee on the way, and smile at ten people, mm. and you wait to see how that changes your day. I love your patterns, the training side of it. Tell me about the mental um, toughness, let's be honest, like you're quite mentally tough, with marathoning, half marathoning. Tell me about some of those dark periods in a race. Um, we all get them. And even if um, people are lucky enough out there to never had any mental health issues, which there might, there might be 10 to 20% of people, I think 80% would have, but 10 20% that have never, they on marathon day still go to some dark spots mm. and in long training runs. So tell me some of your tactics when you're running, um, it could be a fast mile, but I kind of more went that 35, 40K type long run or the marathon itself. Oh, look, the biggest thing when I'm running is I'm trying to enjoy myself. Um, and then I, I think you probably get a little bit, I get a little bit carried away. I need to stop looking at my watch. And that was probably the biggest one for me is I used to look at my watch all way too often. Um, and then when you get... I'll interject there. Are you looking at pace, distance, time? Uh, I got because I was looking for time. Okay. I started looking places. Places. Pretty common, no doubt, with our listeners, our listenership. So, remember, we always say we don't want to wish the time away. We don't wish it away. Strickos is nailed on the head. We don't want to wish the time away. Continue. And I, I, I probably learned a lot from the first marathon prep that I had, um, where I probably went in eyes wide open, thinking that I 
had it by the scruff of the teeth and it all take care of itself. Uh, probably taught me a lot, uh, which you know was was massive. And I've, if I didn't have that first experience of the marathon prep, where I'd go out for training runs and break down, and you know like I'd have to go, I'd have to walk five k back to the car, and uh, purely just on the fact that I was probably getting ahead of myself and thinking that I was better than what I actually was. Um, so that was a big leveler. And then that started the learning curve in terms of not looking so much at the pace, but just going through the process of um, reading what I had to do for the day and then just going out and doing it. And uh, I probably stepped back from time goals at that stage, um, just purely just going out and doing getting the base and, and, and doing the work that I had to do. Um, and that uh, that in itself made me run a lot better. Um, so not looking at my watch all that often was, was is, is a big one for me. Uh, another one is probably just trying to get in a good head space uh, when I get to the stage where I know it's probably going to hurt a lot. And uh, yeah, trying to have positive reinforcement within myself um, I'm massive on the light post theory, which is basically if you're running along the street, you see a light pole. And when you get to that light pole, then you get to the next one. Um, you know, just trying to break it down into mm. smaller steps. And it's amazing how after seven or eight light poles, you forget about it. And then you refocus and keep going again. Uh, that was pretty big for me. Um, the other one is, is probably, you know, trying to let's, it probably comes back to it more to marathon day, but trying to let someone else do the work for me. So I encourage everyone to latch onto a pace group and just jump in behind them for, and even if it's a little bit slower than what you want to actually achieve. Mm. Uh, and then once you get to the stage later in the race, then you sort of can take off on them if you're feeling good. Um, and that way it takes the mental side of concentrating out of it. Uh, and it doesn't, you don't have to look at your watch. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know how fast you're going, everything like that. You can just latch on to the person in back of it, and um, yeah, almost great. be a trailer. They are great tips. And um, on the last point, or we say it before every marathon, even if you're literally run, trying to run Olympic qualifier, you use those paces because if it's good enough for the Diamond League guys, it's good enough for the six marathon majors. Why isn't it good enough for you? You work 50 hours a week and you, you're bloody, you're probably only training four or five times a week. These guys are training 14 times a week and they're still getting paces. So use that pacer. Takes a lot of that concentration out. So if you guys are running Melbourne or Berlin or New York in the next month or so, please use that pacer. Just tuck in behind them. Apart from the concentration factor, which Daniel um, summed up so beautifully, it does waste energy concentrating. Um you really get distracted a bit as well. Mm. Apart from the fact you're on the course, there's so much to look at. You can, you don't have to worry about going too fast because sometimes when you get distracted, you actually go too fast. Yeah. So there's all those things that could come back and bite you in the ass later. But Strigo nailed it on the head, just a little bit slower pace. Doesn't change the feeling at the end. Of no, no. There's not many marathons that do. You're probably ten percent. What what Daniel was saying about this would be very common as well. Very fit young fella, uh, running some really good times with me and his quality workouts running some really good times in his shorter races. This is his first marathon I'm talking about. And then as we got over that two and a half hour long run phase and it all starts to break down, the, the body's in unknown territory. So you've got to respect that. And that's why we love the marathon distance so much. It's also why not many people go back in, in, until they're ready again. So I've, we've got lots of guys that have run, I think your dad's only up to seven or eight, but yeah, and there are lots of guys that are in double figures, but 
they're not the norm. Most people will do one and want to get it right. Yeah. So if they don't go back the next year, they'll they'll concentrate on some shorter stuff or some other stuff. But the marathon is a beautiful distance, and I encourage everyone to at least have a go over the next ten years because um, even if it takes seven hours, it's just one of those things in life. I think at the finish line of a marathon is pretty pretty bloody good, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it's a bucket list item, and for me, it's a nice feeling. It is, and I I think for me, finishing at the MCG is a massive one. It's mm-hmm. sort of um, because I've loved me footy, love Collingwood Footy Club. Um, so I've always sort of supported them and, and finish it. being a Melbourne person, a pretty passionate Melbourne person, for me, finishing the MCG has always been uh, big. Um, so that was sort of a big, massive, massive indicator. And, massive. you know, to be able to run into the G and, as I said, it touched on earlier, what motivates you with 20 seconds to go, you know, like you run into the MCG and you've basically got 20 seconds, 30 seconds to go and just, you know, give it your bloody all so that you can finish the line and then see your kids you know, see yeah your unfortunately my kids have been asleep every single time i've finished but um <laughs> you can give them a hug until last year but uh yeah that was just a bit of a funny ongoing story but um yeah but yeah to finish at the mcg has always been a big motivator as well and it's something that um yeah we'll continue to motivate. i really want to yeah. run a i've run some decent times put it out there what's what, what do you want to Three hours and twenty-five minutes and zero seconds, which are zero seconds. I'm pretty proud of to hit the nail on the head of twenty-five minutes. So I, I, I definitely street lock without pissing in his pocket. I don't know what his goals are, and he can say it after this. But he, he's definitely a three ten athlete, and and maybe quicker than that. I think three oh five. So is that that'd be or maybe even break three eventually in, in your forties. But uh, with the pace over ten and a half, then yeah, I think in time. I'll tell, I'll tell you, you probably should be aiming to break three in the next 10 years. It doesn't have to be in the no, next five. No, pressure, but yeah. That, uh, <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter about external pressure. We spoke about this. Yeah, no. I, I, would, ne- I would never say anything that wasn't true as Two, far as Tom's. 200 minutes is... Uh, it's a good goal. Big yeah, one. Yeah, it's a good um, goal. Breaking 200. Yeah. 319. So I, I think if Ali Kipchoge breaking two, we'll just put it into breaking 200. <laughs> That's um, very true. Mate, so. it's, it's a, exactly... And it is. It's all humans are different. And uh, I, I'm saying this stuff because I believe he can do it, but it doesn't have to be in the next five years. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. I've said a lot of stuff that, um, like, I believe athletes can do and they end up doing it or they don't. It's it's up to them. But with Stricko, when he's in his 40s and time's settled, and this is all you distance runners out there that might be nowhere near the time-wise you want to be, um, just enjoy the process. Stricko's enjoying his running right now, even though he's not in 325 shape, but he's running fast still. He's just enjoying his running. And... I have never been less fit individually, but I love going out for a jog and talking with these guys and just jogging and enjoying running. So it's about the rest of your day and the rest of your week. The last, the other thing you said was the, the light post one, really good. Really keeping it simple, compartmentalizing, controlling the controllables. Can we use any more? But just really one step at a time. Kiss principle, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. And overthinking, anxiety, and all these things that are so prevalent running if it comes into it it's only going to affect you so if the only reason to stop to help you stop overthinking and and the anxiety and all these these intrusive thoughts if it's only the only thing that stops that is to say this is affecting my performance because it is it's going to be a negative then that might work so if you're running if you just cannot stop with the intrusive thoughts but you know that you want to get a, a 320 marathon then i promise you it's going to be very hard to do 
with those thoughts. Whereas if you can try to at least use your running time for your time, it's your time. That's what we tell Daniel, like it's your time to run. Try to block out all the work stress and all the other stress if you can. And just get in that blissful state where it's that, it's the most primal human movement. All I'm doing is moving yeah. from point A to point B, one light post to one light post. Do you feel like um, you've got a pretty good, once everything opens up time-wise, do you feel like you've got a pretty good strategy these days to attack a, a breaking 200-minute marathon? Yeah, I do, mate. Like this year's been pretty testing. There's probably been a couple of times where you know, I've slowly gone back into darker pastures just purely on the fact of just the wear and tear of being um, having three young kids and moving jobs and you know probably putting that pressure on myself with my job to perform mm -hmm. and, and uh, get started in a new role and, and and sort of hit the ground running. Um, I'll stop you there. The, the new job and the stress and the pressure and the three kids, when you go back to that, tell me how you get yourself out of that dark spot now. Like right now in this – because it, it, you've had a lot going on this year. Uh, yeah, look, it's probably – I've got two good mates that – I talk a lot too. I actually caught up with one of them yesterday and I'm probably just leaving there was even in a better headspace than when I got there. Just talking? Um, and it's just, you know, he's very fortunate. He's got a little man shed out the back and, uh, you know, so and then I, one of my other good mates is uh, we talk regularly on the phone and it's not just a standard five-minute conversation. It's usually he works in, in the city and he's normally driving home along East Link or the Eastern Freeway and uh, stuck in traffic and we tend to have a fair bit of a chat or um so talking to those two guys has always been pretty big um great, man. you know and it's not purely just saying oh look not saying i'm in a dark spot or opening or divulging too much it's just talking like and and having depending on where the conversation goes like someone listening um running's always been something that is a coping mechanism for me um and another one seeing my kids is you know like I don't know, that's been massive, you know, like my, as I touched on earlier, coming home every day and if I can get home that little bit earlier and spending that little bit extra time with my kids, you know, seeing their smile, seeing them run up to me and excited to actually see me, it's, um, you know, I think that, that that's been massive. Um, my wife, even though I probably don't talk about a lot of the stuff I've said today to her too much, um, her just being her. Is, is always helpful so she does so much for me and um you know not having the stress of doing a lot of things that she picks up um it also helps but i know i also just think you know going out and relaxing and having a beer with friends and um you know, you know try not to overindulge too much but yeah, i can, I can get carried hard. away a little bit every now and then no, but happens to the best of us man um, yeah, like my, I'm probably most relaxed when I'm sitting there having a beer with a mate and it doesn't have to be just a mate, it could be a couple or heaps of friends, you know, like just sitting there having a beer and having a chat. That's probably when I'm at my most relaxed. Um, you know, I'm probably the standard token sort of guy that I love to have a barbecue and sit around a table and I'll probably take the piss out of people a lot um, and probably say the wrong thing sometimes and, you know, people say I'll get worked up about what people say to me a lot and I used to a lot more but now it's it's, it's a lot I'm a lot better about it so mate you, you've hit the nail on the head so many times and and I think um the the banter and the beers are magnificent and you're right um if you can 
got a good strategy to not go overboard so much, which I'm still figuring out. But it, it's a really good way to do it. We're all trying to figure that one. You out. can, you can, and you're never gonna. It's never gonna be perfect. But you've hit the nail on so many heads, though. The way just to be able to, you've got a good balance, a really good balance at the moment. And the listeners out there might have nothing in common with me and Strick. Eh? Look, we've got a lot in common. But you might be thinking, well, I don't want to do that, that, that. But you've got to find your five or six things that, mm. and it could be something totally unrelated but i think the biggest thing that we keep going back to is, is opening the lines of conversation like stricko's barely sold today but again this doesn't define him as a person it's just something like that he's got going on some of our guests coming up in the next couple of weeks exactly the same myself exactly the same it doesn't define any of us as a person with these kind of stuff it's just like a broken arm or a broken leg that you've got to heal i think it's a hard it's a hard thing to explain to someone unless you've gone through it yourself um and it's it's something that I'll still say now. Like I'm, even though I probably have a lot of things in place, it's something I still have to deal with though. Um, and I'm probably not so much on a daily basis now, but I can I understand if I let myself go that I, um, you know, if I don't do certain things, then it's gonna I end up going backwards a little bit. And uh, yeah, so it's sort of uh, now I'm in a lot better place and I can handle it. But it's not to say that I haven't don't sort of take step backwards and i think i know within myself when I'm, I'm probably more aware of the situations now and and the understanding of what's required for me personally mm-hmm. um and that's where it's such an individual thing yeah uh, you know i went through a stage where i was i was medicated um and it, i didn't enjoy it at the time but it allowed me to get myself back on track and you know fortunately enough i haven't had to go back down that path um, but if I didn't do it, I, I don't know where it would have been. And there's no, like, the people on, I've got lots of elite guys that are medicated all the time, all year round, and big milligrams, and it just doesn't matter. It takes the edge off, um, and lots of people, Stricko's got a lot of stuff in place that's obviously enabled him to to um, get off the medication, but there's a lot of people that will never get off it, and to be honest, there's a lot of people that don't want them to get off it because it take, takes the edge off enough, and they can put all these in place if you want to downgrade and and come down oh, you, I, didn't, I didn't do it without advice. you must yeah you must see you must get advice from your the doctor psychiatrist ideally to be honest um and your gp because it's not something to mess around with absolutely stricko's got the right people around him and has for a long time and but again we've just gone through for nearly an hour the tactics he's got in place We'll change the mood a bit. We'll go, don't forget, um, please, 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 Lifeline Beyond Blue and Are You OK? On the show notes, the producer, Tommy Senior, will put the numbers there so you can just click on your phone. If anyone is listening to this, I implore you to ring those numbers and just have a chat if you feel you need to because they are beautiful people and they will do everything they can to help you. Um, quick fires, big fella. I'll get, I'm making these up as I go, these quick fires, because normally we've got some quick fires, but that I knew this was a different space today, and I just wanted to spend an hour with Dan going deep. Let me make a couple up off the top of my head. This is live uh, podcasting, isn't it? All right, Strick. Favourite, no, give me an, your, your ideal day, big fella. I know you probably said it before, but I'll go to the ideal day in 30 seconds. Go. A uh, long run in the morning. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a Sunday, ideally. Uh Makes life better. Big breakfast, uh, strawberry milkshake after the long run, <laughs> uh, and then with the big breakfast, the probably flat white, uh, leading into probably a nice barbecue with friends sitting on a deck somewhere, having a couple of beers, and um, probably the situation even now, we'll probably we could duck down to the beach for an hour or two in the arbor and come back and you know 
probably buy some pieces of fish and chips and maybe finish it off with red. <laughs> Got a lot in common, me and you. Um, now let's go with what uh, your ideal favourite distance to race in. If you had to race for a hundred grand and come higher up the places, I like asking this question for a few reasons. Um, it tells me a bit about their psychology and physiology because usually it's always the one you're better at. So tell me up the placings, if Daniel had to come in the top 100 somewhere, anywhere from the 800 to the marathon or ultra, ultra marathon, whatever. Definitely not ultra. Um, I'm not that way inclined. I'm probably more a pace man. Uh, probably haven't thought about it. It's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, I probably, to be honest with you, the half marathon's probably where I reckon I'd be high, best at. Higher up the placings, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the marathon, but uh, probably takes too much time and effort to get. Yeah, to oh, it's, it's a different beast. So. You're, you're talking physiology; they're very different beasts. So you're not going to take a nutrition and hydration in if 70, 80 minutes of the marathon, half marathon. Sorry, whereas um, the marathon is a different beast altogether. Great answer. Uh, give me one more. Three, not not possessions. I mean, sorry, not family or anything. Three possessions on a desert island. Uh, you're stuck there for six months. You're not allowed to take family or any friends or anything. Go. Uh, probably take a footy just to entertain myself with. Very uh, good answer. <laughs> uh, if it was an endless slab. I'd probably take an endless slab. Even better answer. <laughs> and uh, third one's probably some running shoes just because of what I go through now. So. It's, and that is what a way to finish. The... Um, I think if you've taken anything out of this, it's definitely to talk to people and open up to people and you're never going to be judged by anybody. Um, it's taken me a, a long time to figure that one out and Stricko is so bravely come on here today and and um, doing it for your listeners. Obviously, he said in a way therapeutic for himself as well, which I, I thoroughly believe in. Um, talking is number one, definitely, and movement is number two. And then, of course, getting the right professional help around you. But we're going to talk to a couple of other people in the next few weeks in October that are just coming from different um, raise, sorry, um, realms of life as well. Um, different, uh, might not be depression, it might be anxiety and some other stuff as well. So there's all kinds of stuff. Um, so you're not walking alone. Follow Stricko online, of course. He's um, he's on our, a lot of our oh, videos. massive on the socials, Rick. Though. No, you don't have to follow the Insta, but just follow him on Runners Online. I've got him on a couple of videos. I'm sure he's on definitely on one, two. He's on the Rainmaker and he's on, um, I've gone blank, but he's on one of he's on a good hill set with Joe Cam. So if you if you are one of our Runners Online visions, he always uh, he's a bit of a chuckler behind this behind me. He's <laughs> always trying to give me shit behind the camera. He's very funny. So look out for Stricko on there and. We might even get him in a couple of S&C videos, maybe a bit of single leg work. He's pretty strong in the old single leg. Um, thanks so much, Skip, for coming on. We'll get him on a bit of a round table before Christmas, a bit of a mental health round table. Just, if, you, if you've got any questions, chuck them in the, um, on our Twitter or, or show notes and we'll go from there. And then once we've had all the guests on, we've had the big open day for Beyond Blue in November, we'll have another round table with Strigo on. But I thank you so much. I can't imagine um, you're driving here today a little bit like different, like where you always... Like, like I said, have a laugh and talk shit, talk footy, talk horse racing. This was a very different convo, but it was a convo that had to be had. So I um, I really appreciate you coming in today, mate. And, and I've got no doubt you'll help a lot more than just a few people with that convo. That's it for this week. Thank you to host Rick Mirabella and Runners.com for this week's episode. And special thanks to Daniel Strickland for telling his story. 
A reminder that support is available from the links in the show's description. Coming up in the next few episodes, we have Harry Summers, an elite 10,000 metre runner, and Glenn Mitchie, police officer and football coach, and both share their stories and their unique positions that they've found themselves in over the years. Until then, thanks for listening.